0: I'm Rachel
1: and I'm Tristan
0: and this is X-Files on the Grid and today we're going to be talking about the third episode of season one which is Squeeze. So if you're not familiar with the X-Files on the Grid what we do is a rewatch of the series from uh, the very first episode we're working our way through. And then we um, rate each episode using a grid. And if you want to know more information about that grid structure, be sure to check out the Gritty Films website. And that's going to be grittyfilms.com slash the grid. So it's G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com slash the grid. There'll be information there for the X-Files specific grid, as well as the movie rating grid that I use for the Nitty Gritty Movie Reviews podcast that we do as well. All right, so before we dive too much into the grid, um, this is definitely an episode that I have um, a lot of sentimental attachment to, and a lot of, maybe sentimental's not the right word, a lot of nostalgia. it's one of the first episodes I ever saw, and, and I just remember loving it. Um, so it's one I've seen several, several times over the last 20 years or something.
1: Didn't you say that you had a VHS tape?
0: I didn't, but um, my best friend growing up, uh, I would go over to her house, and she had a, a box set of VHS. It was two VHS tapes. One, <laughs> it's so ridiculous, the 90s. One was just the episode Squeeze, and then one was the episode Tunes. Don't know why it needed to be on two VHS tapes. That's only an hour and a half. There might have been some sort of like featurettes at the end, like they like you know, that would now be on the DVD special features. I don't remember. But I do remember uh, in lieu of DVRs or you know, shows on DVDs or what have you, Netflix, you know, obviously we didn't have any of that. So if there wasn't anything on syndication for us to watch X-Files related, we would watch those two episodes. So I saw a lot growing up before we get in. Uh, do you remember when you first saw this or do you remember your first impressions at all?
1: Or? Um, I do remember watching it. Uh, it must've been when it first came out. Um, I remember really liking it and mm-hmm. thinking it was a uh, pretty creepy stuff, right? It's one of those things where after you watch it, you, uh, turn the light on as soon as you enter the room <laughs> and you know you I guess look at the ceiling when you take a bath now <laughs> yeah that, that was something that happened but sure uh, sure yeah it's definitely one of those episodes and so uh,
0: yeah yeah all right uh, so the first category of the grid jumping into that is going to be writing um, and then the first subcategory within that is going to be mythology character development um, and this one, I have a lot to say about this topic. Um, so why don't you start? So I don't just talk for ten minutes like I tend to do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if that's okay with you. Uh, sure.
1: This one, I'm I'm not really sure because it's not really a mythology episode. It Doesn't talk about alien invasions and conspiracies and stuff. Um, and character development. I guess it develops, uh, Scully a little bit more and their relationship, Scully and Mulder, as well as um. The relationship between them and everyone else uh, Mm -hmm. at the FBI. But uh, nothing really stood out as all that great or bad. Um, So I'm really interested in in hearing what you have to say.
0: All right. So so I agree. This is definitely, um, as far as mythology goes, I mean, this is pretty much the first episode that is a pure Monster of the Week episode. Yeah. I would say, I mean, both the pilot and Deep Throat, I would say, are kind of like Monster of the Week adjacent, but still more myth arc, um, sure. but not as as hard of a myth arc as we get in later episodes. Um, so it's kind of a, a, those two episodes are a little bit of a hybrid between those two types of episodes. And this is definitely like the first Monster of the Week. Um, so in that regard, um, it's not quite mythology. I mean, it's not mythology, it's Monster of the Week, but it, it set that standard in a really good way. I like that you know, very early on, Scully's like, you know, are you telling me aliens did this? And he's like, no, of course not. Don't be silly. You yeah. know, and it it really does a good job of setting up, like, like yes, this is a sci-fi show. Yes, there's alien conspiracies or, or I guess aliens and government conspiracies. Like, yeah, that all still exists. We're not ignoring it, but that's not all this show is about. Like, I thought it did a a good job of. That's true. Yeah. Um. So so that's all. You know, I didn't really consider that too too much when i gave my score for this category though because i was really focused on the character development because like you said it really focuses a lot more on scully which i think is really interesting the first two episodes were very much so about Mulder and scully's just kind of like she's assigned to do this she didn't choose it right doesn't really seem like she has an option to uh politely decline the offer <laughs> you know like she's she's assigned to the x-files that's what she's supposed to do um so so this is the first time where we really see and I thought it, I remember watching this episode when I was younger and thinking it was so awkward that like Scully has friends. <laughs> it's like it's like come on like this is just such like oh they they you know they were pretending she had friends in the beginning and it felt so awkward to me but now like now that I'm older looking at it, I'm like no she did have friends that like it's in late like huh. as the series progresses like she loses all social life and all all connections outside of Mulder, like it really, yeah, you know, they become symbiotic in a lot of ways, and she loses those. Like it's not that she never had friends; she's not antisocial. She just gets caught up in in all of this, you know, all the X Files. Yeah. So I like that, like we see her meeting up with an old friend, having lunch, joking about the people they knew, and and having that. Like it seems really awkward knowing her character and knowing the direction they take her in later episodes, which I don't think is spoilery to say she doesn't have friends in later episodes, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so I like that. We, we see her have friends. And then throughout the course of the episode, we see her choose Mulder and choose the X-Files over her friends and over the, the violent crimes division. Like, That's true. like we see Tom say like, Oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I'll get you out of here. And she's like, I can take care of myself. I'm I'm doing just fine. Yeah. And like, and she, and there's even a moment where Mulder tells her, like, like, I wouldn't blame you if you if you went to the violent crime division. Like, you can you can leave. Like it's not, like, that's right. I get it. It's fine. And you see, like, she pauses for a moment and you can see her think about it. And then she she turns away and starts following Mulder. And she's like, Well, I gotta see what your theory yeah. is. You know? And you like there's a very clear moment where she chooses the X-Files, which I just, like, that's, as many times as I've watched this episode, I never really, like, I was just like, oh, cool, Monster of the Week, it's so creepy, I love it, there's funny dialogue between, more. like, there's a lot of, we'll get to that a little later, but, like, there's a lot of great writing going on in this episode. Yeah. And I think this was one of the first times where I was really, like, like, oh, this is actually, like, an important character episode, like, this is the episode where she chooses Mulder over, or at least chooses the X-Files. yeah. Over another course. So, so I really, as far as character development, I really, really like that aspect.
1: That's a good point. Because in the previous episodes, it was just her job.
0: Exactly. And
1: she, you know, did her job, then went home and took a bath, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but you're right. She does, she does have an opportunity to, you know, further her career and try mm-hmm. something different. And she thinks about it and chooses to stay with the X-Files. Mulder. Yeah, That's a good point.
0: So for that reason, I gave the uh, I gave this a perfect ten for mythology and character development.
1: Wow! <laughs> I did not think about that. I gave it a five. It meets expectations, okay. um, but I'm I'm rethinking that. I may change yeah. it. I don't know. All right,
0: we'll see. You've got time till so the final score. Nothing's final. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the second subcategory, which is going to be plot structure and pace. Um, And this one is one that I definitely, like, I really like the plot structure, and I think it moves along at a good pace. Like, I think it's a a very well-written episode. Um, But that said, I don't have tons, like, I gave it a very high score, and I know that I like it, but I don't really um, have that much to say about it. It was just a a very well-written script. Um, I don't know, do you have anything within this category to to add to that?
1: Um, No, I'm thinking pretty much the same thing. It uh, moved along at a nice pace. Um, it was kind of interesting seeing Mulder go to some old guy's house talk about how it was 25 years ago or whatever, because yeah. that happens a few other times in the series. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was good.
0: All right. What was your score for that subcategory? That one
1: I gave a 9.
0: All right. I gave it a 9.5. All,
1: All right. right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, So that brings us to the next subcategory within the writing category, which is going to be outer goals versus inner needs. Um, And for this one, uh, my feelings are pretty similar to the last few episodes where I really like what they do with outer goals and, and inner needs are kind of... I don't know. I do like that this does focus more on... Like, we really don't get any of Mulder's inner needs, but we start to get a little bit... It's still mostly outer goals, though, with Scully. Like, I still don't feel like we know... Even though, like, I, I mean, I gave character development a perfect time because I love how we see her, her right. choose the X-Files. And yet we still don't really have that emotional need as to why she chooses the X-Files. Um, so that's really my only complaint within this category is that I, for such a, a Scully-centric episode and such an important character development episode, I would have liked to see a a little bit more... Um, emotion, I guess. I mean, I do like when she says um, Tom asks her, like, "Well, whose side are you on?" She's like, the, "The victims." Yeah. So I do think we get a little bit of that, like, like she she wants justice, she wants truth, she, the American way. She's Superman apparently, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> like she's uh, I don't know, like that's that's yeah. what she's after. Like she wants facts and the truth and and to you know find justice for for victims, um, which I guess kind of works as an um, I don't know an inner need, but. Now I'm rambling. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. Um, it was nice focusing more on Scully. Yeah, seeing her uh, like not 100% in the X-Files, she's kind of being drawn to this other this other direction with the Violent Crimes unit, but then she stays with the X-Files.
0: Uh, so what was your score for that? So category? for this one,
1: I gave it a 7 out of 10.
0: I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah pretty similar with this one except for the first category uh so that brings us to genre cliches and tropes uh and this one um i I don't know it's a little bit i I gave it a fairly high score um but it's definitely i mean like i was saying with with mythology and character development like it sets up like a very you know like oh this is the monster of the week format like it it, and so as far as genre let's not necessarily genre but it kind of fits within that category i think of like well this is a, a like a, a genre of episodes within x-files um yeah, the, but you know you have you have the myth arc episodes you have the uh monster of the week thank you yeah. monster of the week you have the um you know the, the genre bending episodes, the more silly episode like there's different right. different types of x-files episodes so in a lot of ways this kind of set up the monster of the week episode so as far as genre goes in that regard um you know i gave it a little bit of a higher score to recognize that and it does have a little bit of a you know a horror movie vibe um yeah you know because it's, i mean it is monster of the week and it's a it's a horror sci-fi tv show um but other than that there wasn't really anything that um you know stood out was like oh i really liked this one thing or oh, i liked how they used that one trope or they really Subverted right. my expectations when they did that. Like, there wasn't really a lot of that. Um, but I do like that it set up Monster of the Weeks.
1: That's pretty much what I thought as well. This is the first, like, pure, true Monster of the Week. And um, I think it did a really good job of being a Monster of the Week. And it uh, I've only seen clips of a lot of the older horror movies, um, a few clips here and there. And this definitely reminded me of those.
0: I could see that. Almost like a monster of the black or creature from the black lagoon
1: yeah or like or the, adjacent
0: or uh frankenstein maybe.
1: yeah i was thinking of the early dracula
0: oh yeah, yeah yeah that especially makes sense.
1: the scene where he's like he steps forward from the shadow and it's just his face oh, is yeah. like lit in like the same way that scene was
0: yeah good call yeah
1: so yeah i thought this was good at establishing what an x-files uh, monster of the week sub-genre is (laughs) yeah and the tropes like scully being in danger and but then also she like jumps into danger whips out her gun and jumps in that weird hole in the wall and
0: oh yeah like i love that she's the first one down that hole he's like oh what's in there she's like let's find out come on (laughs) yeah and even think i don't know if this is quite a, a genre trope but this is the first time we see them in a dark building with the flashlights. I mean, we see them with oh, yeah, flashlights before, you know, in the pilot, they're in the forest. But that's not quite the same. Like this is very This is
1: the abandoned building.
0: Oh yeah. With with just the flashlights as the only source of, like no moon, no stars, no yeah. passing cars. Like it is dark and it's literally that's how like I just I no more into that with cinematography. But <laughs> I and that is also a Specific, particularly within X-Files, like, that's very much so a, a trope that this is the first time we've seen it used that way. Um, so that's great, too. Yeah. Um, and then as far as, as Scully getting in trouble, like, I do, like... I Like, it's it's a very interesting blend where it's, like, yes, she was in trouble, and, yeah, she, like, probably could have gotten out of it by herself, but, like, almost not. And then Mulder comes, but then, like, they work together to get... Right. Like, it's it's not, like she's tied up in a room somewhere and he has to defeat the bad guy while she's tied up and that like it's very much so they work together which I like and like yeah when he got there she was pinned to the ground and and about to have her liver taken out and maybe wouldn't have survived that well obviously if he took her liver she wouldn't have survived that (laughs) but you know she probably wasn't going to get him off of her right but then once he got him off of her like then it was very much so a team effort so I like that dynamic of I don't know I just like that dynamic all right. uh is there anything else you wanted to add about genre cliches and tropes nope all right uh so i gave this category 8.5 out of 10
1: i gave it a 9 out of 10
0: all right we're pretty much within a half point on almost all of these And uh, so then the last subcategory within the overall umbrella of writing is going to be dialogue um and this is an episode i definitely like I feel like there's quotable lines in here. I feel like there's there's definitely, yeah. I remember hearing those lines the first time when I saw this episode when I was like nine or ten. Um, Like it definitely, the dialogue sticks with you almost as much as like Toomes himself. Like he's definitely right. one of the most memorable monsters of the week. And yet there's also like clear lines of dialogue. that I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know exactly what's coming next. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When he gets the slime on his hand, I remember yeah. I thought it was hilarious when I was ten, and I think it's hilarious now. I was like, "Is there some way I can get this off my fingers quickly without betraying my cool exterior <laughs> or something <laughs> like that?" It's great. It's just
1: classic Mulder.
0: Classic Mulder, um, and then even things like um, like Scully's lines, especially when she's talking to Tom throughout. They're like, I just remember even as a kid, just being like, "Yeah, you go, girl." Like <laughs> that's really cheesy, but I was ten. What can you? What can I yeah. say? But like, you know, when she tells him like. Like, oh, is this how you, you climb the ladder? And he's like, Yeah, you know it, or whatever. And just like All the oh, way to the top. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, Well, I can't wait. I don't know why I'm doing like a weird accent. I'm just like, Well, I can't wait, so you fall on your ass. And I just remember as a kid being like, I can't even say the word ass without getting in trouble, but that's awesome. Like I just remember like feeling so empowered being like, Yeah. And so I gave dialogue a pretty high score um for, for moments like that.
1: Yeah, you nailed it everything i was gonna say um there's mm-hmm. some classic lines really memorable stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and a lot of the that chemistry that back and forth that they have uh really shined through yeah it was also interesting how much dialogue with someone other than scully or Mulder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: uh how everyone makes fun of them and kind of looks down on them yeah even when they're asking scully to help them they're, they're also, like, making fun of her at the same time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which I like, so I think there's also, there's, like, an implicate, like, at this point in the series, there's this implication of, like, well, we can openly make fun of you, because, like, you probably don't want to be there anyway. So it's not, yeah. like, it's like, oh, like, like, yeah, you want to work with us, because it must be awful working. Like, I feel like that's kind of the implication. Yeah, okay. And then they openly make fun of Mulder to his face, because they're like... He's crazy anyway. Who cares? Like, like he just has like a lower social standing than them. Like, it's like I mean, they Tom Tom says like when he's talking to Scully as if Mulder's not there, and he's like, like you said, he was a little out there. He's crazy. Right. Like it's like he's right there, but he doesn't like. It's like who cares? Like he knows it. Everybody knows it. Like we're not gonna. I don't know. So I do. Yeah, I like those dynamics of like just little snarky comments and and Scully's reactions (laughs) to them and. And I think
1: this is the first time we really see that. I mean, they hint at it a lot, especially in the pilot, where he's in the basement and you know, saying that she got stuck with him and yeah, all those those things.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I agree. I gave dialogue overall a nine out of ten.
1: Wow, I gave it a seven out of ten.
0: All right, not enough Moulderisms for you. (laughs) All right, so then my uh, total once I. Take all those scores together and average them out is going to come to an eight point nine out of ten for writing overall.
1: Wow! I uh, bumped up that one subcategory—the oh, yeah. mythology nice and character development. But you uh, bump it up too? Seven. Okay. Uh, so the total for writing for me is seven point eight. Which fair. fair exceeds expectations.
0: All right. Yeah, so that's going to bring us to the next uh, umbrella of categories, and it's going to be the technical categories um so the first subcategory within that is going to be acting and casting do you want to take the lead on this one i feel like this is another one i could ramble on for forever about
1: uh okay acting and casting uh all the people that they got to play fbi agents and cops uh all seemed like fbi agents and cops although i don't know how much of that is Because this is where I've seen them. (laughs) And so, like, this has shaped what I think they look like and act like. I don't know. Um, The guy who played Tombs was pretty creepy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who the casting manager is for X-Files, or if it's even consistent throughout, probably, though, because, man, they just have a knack for finding, like, not just creepy people in general, but very specifically... Or very very specific types of creepy for each role. I think about the, yeah. the creepy children subcategory and the creepy stalker subcategory. And like they just have like I mean he's a very specific type of bad for the actor. <laughs> like a very specific type of creepy looking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree. That that casting is spot on.
1: Yeah. That's about all I got for that. Alright.
0: Uh, I really liked the the Acting and casting overall for this one, um, I definitely like you were saying with the FBI agents. Like, I think Tom was was perfectly cast. Like, he was like the, confident but smarmy and and
1: yeah, the the brash young go getter. Exactly.
0: Yeah, like with just enough jackassery to be like, <laughs> okay, like I I think I have a pretty good idea of who this character is from like that very first scene where they're having lunch. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was really good, and everything you said about Tombs is is right on. He's just. And there's a reason he comes back for another episode. Like he's just dead on. Like just, yeah. Like I said, the exact right type of creepy, and I mean, barely has any lines, but just, just his his facial expressions and the way he, just conveys emotion in such subtle ways. Like it's just unsettling. Yeah. Um. So so that was great. Um. And I really like the uh the the old man for for lack of I don't remember his name, but the the, the retired old, police yeah. guy. Um, I thought he was great. I thought he brought a a really good level of, I mean, when we see that scene where he's just reading the newspaper and he gets emotional, like, there's no line in that scene. And that's, it was pretty powerful. And to have, to even, like, bother to go back to that character is is pretty unusual. Like, you think, like, well, we had the scene with him. What difference does it make? But I thought it really had an emotional punch to it. Um, My one complaint with that after, though, is he was a police investigator in the
1: 30s? No, the '60s.
0: But then, how come he said? Oh, yeah, he
1: he was working for forty-five years as a cop.
0: Yeah, and retired in like '68. I thought he said. Yeah. And he because he said like, oh, when I heard That's about true. the when I heard about the concentration camps, I thought about.
1: That's true. So
0: how old was like he looked? Maybe seventy, maybe even like seventy-five. He was not ninety. Like how old well, was he? Well, people started
1: working when they were ten back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Joined the force when he was ten, yeah. maybe? I don't know.
0: I mean I guess if he was like a rookie cop and he was like eighteen, but then that's still eighteen and thirty three. Now this is ninety three? I can't do math in my head. How how, how old would that be? That's make him? sixty
1: that's a sixty year difference.
0: So seventy eight. I guess maybe he could have been yeah. seventy eight. Still, I don't know. I thought thought they cast a little on the young side. Um, But I guess it was fine because I thought he did a really great job. Um, But that was, yeah, that was my one, that's the one thing that kept it from getting a perfect score. I gave acting and casting a 9.5 out of 10.
1: Wow. I gave it a 7. Exceeds expectations. Yeah. Maybe they should have been a little higher because Tombs was, like, a lot of the episode rested on his acting.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it as it
0: is. So that brings us to the next category within the technical umbrella, and that's going to be cinematography. Um, and this one, I started to talk about it a little bit within genre, but I definitely love that we um, we get the the flashlights and the you know the darkness and the, the like. That's a practical lighting. There was probably oh, yeah. no other lighting on set. Like it's just it's iconic. It's great. It had never been done before. Um, so so that definitely got it a, a really high score. And then also just the the camera work throughout was really good. I mean, you have the iconic scene where they're going into his apartment and they're like in the door and it's like, I mean, it's in the opening credits for, yeah, you know, all 11 years. So I don't know, just things like that where, and, and just the, I don't know the camera work throughout and the, the compositions were just very well done. And like you said, the, you know, you have tombs coming out of the shadow and it's very, um, iconic, I guess, or just very, right. uh, genre appropriate i guess i I don't know i'm losing my train of thought but i really liked the both the the lighting aspects of the cinematography and the the camera work aspects of the cinematography i thought were particularly excellent with this episode
1: yeah yeah um i agree i think there was a lot of um use of shadows i don't know if that falls under cinematography
0: yeah that would be lighting Yeah.
1: yeah um a lot of shadows, which X-Files has always been about that, but it was really, really well done in this episode. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wish I had more to say.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that's fair. Um, so I gave cinematography a perfect 10 out of 10. Oh, all
1: right. I gave it a 9 out of 10.
0: All right. Uh, so then that brings us to uh, editing and special effects. Um, and this one I thought was, was easily one of the lowest... Um, or or weakest points of the episode., uh, but before I go into one of my rambles, <laughs> do you have anything to say off the off the top?
1: Uh, no, I'm curious to see what you have to say.
0: All right. uh, one of the things that i I really disliked, mostly just because it was it was a little overused in my opinion um is is I guess for lack of a better term, the uh Tombs vision, where we see like oh, through his yeah. point of view, and it's like, very slow motion almost um like stop animation isn't quite the right word but um time lapse time lapse almost yeah, yeah. I
1: think that's the opposite well anyway yeah you know, that makes
0: sense yeah like it's almost uh like a flip book you know where it's like oh, okay. jumpy and i don't know but yeah so it's just very um jarring and i understand that like we're supposed to be seeing from his point of view and it should be a little jarring and it should be creepy and weird um, but it just seemed a little overused, particularly like I mean, there's the opening scene when it's like we don't even really know whose point of view we're seeing it from, and we we're seeing like weird camera angles and weird a um, uh, lot of slow motion and the colorings yeah. off, and um, it just went on for a little long and it's like eh, I know it's supposed to be creepy, but it's a little heavy handed. Um, so that's my biggest complaint. Um, I did think the the special effects. For 1993, and particularly for being a television show, um, I thought the special effects were, were pretty decent. Um, yeah. They didn't overuse it. A lot of it was implied. You, know, you just see the screw turning and right. things like that. But, I mean, even when you see his, his hand reaching down the chimney, it's it's obviously, you know, CGI special effects and, and not super, or maybe not CGI. I know, it was 1993. However they did it. Yeah. Uh, it's obvious <laughs> um but
1: yeah, yeah i agree um there's not a lot of special effects i mean other than you know tombs vision i guess we're calling it yeah. uh and when he does stretch out his hand um so it was nice that it wasn't overdone right yeah. it would be very easy to say like he's this creepy scary monster let's you know show it a lot and then it ends right. up looking like those bad werewolf transitions from, exactly. from the 80s or whatever.
0: Exactly. Uh,
1: so I, I did like that it was fairly subtle. Yeah. And then the editing, uh, nothing really jumped out as having too many cuts or um, bad in any way.
0: Yeah. Seemed Actually, fine. I did really like the uh, the one cut where we, we see the, the retired police officer reading the newspaper and then it cuts to... Like, it almost looks like it's him ripping it up, and then it's Tombs. I thought that was a
1: a very nicely done edit. That's true. That was pretty neat.
0: Uh, So my total for editing and special effects came out to a a 6.5 out of 10. There were a few things like that cut I just mentioned that kept it from being um, what I probably would give, like, a 5 out of 10 to, just because of the kind of bleh Tombs vision, (laughs) (laughs) which kind of, you know Is What it is, yeah. Um, but then you know, there were a few things here and there that I did appreciate, so six five out of ten, okay.
1: And I gave it a seven out of ten, so again, we're only half a point off,
0: all right. So, that's going to bring us to sound and music. Um, like pretty, I feel like this is going to be a common complaint throughout most of season one, although it's getting a little better with each episode. But you do still have the the very 90s music. I really, the only time I noticed the only time I noticed music at all in this episode, actually. wasn't that opening uh, teaser scene where you know, we have Tomb's Vision and we're seeing that. and It had a little right. um, pretty synth-heavy. I think it faded out pretty quick. Was, I think it was just because it was the first thing we hear in the episode. It's yeah. like, oh, here's that music again. Um, but then I didn't notice the music one way or another um, really at all throughout the rest. Hmm. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, I actually did notice the music quite a bit in this episode. Hmm. Uh, I was listening for the synths. Not that you have to try very hard to hear them. (laughs) Uh, I did notice there was one scene where they were kind of soft and it was in the background of the music. So Mm. it wasn't, uh, it didn't have that early 90s, late 80s feel. Yeah. So that was definitely better. Um, But the music, there was a lot of like really creepy, crawly music. I don't know how else to describe it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. There's a few
1: scenes that,
0: yeah. Like that, yeah, I think I mostly just forgot to listen for it because before we started watching it, like, oh, I bet the music's better in this episode because it's got, like, that vibe. And then I think I just got so sucked up in the episode and, and nostalgia and, and all that that I kind of forgot to keep an ear out.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. And then as far as just regular, uh, you know, sound effects and the sound mix, um, I don't actually know why I'm bringing that up. I don't have anything one way or another to say about it. I feel like there were some... Some kind of creepy sound effects. I mean you have like this the screw turning, I think, yeah. which is subtle but just there's just something eerie about it. Um some little things like that 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 I thought were good touches. Um but yeah, nothing really stands out. Uh so my total, um uh, I gave it a pretty significant boost um than prior episodes, mostly just because it uh I feel like it's improving significantly with each episode. Um, so I gave it an eight point five. Uh, mostly for the the Uh, what's the word I'm looking
1: for? Lack of procedural sense.
0: Exactly, yes. (laughs) So 8.5 out of 10 for me.
1: Yeah, uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10. All right. Um, I did appreciate having less of the procedural (laughs) sense. Yeah. It seems really weird that it's only the third episode, and each episode has significantly less than the previous one.
0: Oh, yeah, I think... uh... It
1: seems like it would take longer for them to change their mind or longer for them to get the feedback on it.
0: I almost I feel like I've heard that in the first season the studio didn't really care about the show that much like it was a pretty low budget uh, and one of Fox's first shows I want to say when did Fox become a network late eighties yeah so I think it was eighty nine yeah so I think it was like I don't think the studio had a ton of input so it was probably just Mark Snow and Chris Carter being like we can do better than this let's let's work on it a little bit oh so, uh,
1: yeah maybe they tried to play it safe. Go with like the standard.
0: I, I would imagine, Sims. I would imagine for the pilot for sure it would be much more so. And I think, well, it's my, well, now I'm kind of talking out my ass, like I know what I'm talking about, but I think with pilots, I mean, it's definitely you make it for the studio, you know, or for the network. And it's, I mean, it's, you know, here's what we have to offer. And then once you get picked up, and once, um, which I think is what happened, you know, Fox is like, yeah, like you're, you're, because I think they were, <sighs> my X Files history is a little rusty, but I, think they were picked up for a full first season like right away which is really rare usually it's like okay we'll give you 12 episodes and then maybe a mid-season we'll give you another 12
1: yeah
0: but i think they got picked up for a full season right off the bat so they pretty much could could you know have that freedom without being like well if we do something the studio doesn't like they could change it it's like well no let's now we can make it for the audience um i think like i said i'm kind of talking on my ass like like as if i know what i'm talking about and so yeah that's it for sound and music uh so that's gonna bring us to the last subcategory within the technical umbrella, and it's gonna be aesthetics. Um, and this one, this is another one where where I feel like there was a, a marked improvement from the last two episodes, where we do start to see them. You know, they're they're in suits, they're on yeah. official FBI business. Like, they I feel like they're even though it's still very much so dressed like they're nineteen in ninety three because they are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's definitely. We don't get any of that. I don't think there was a single piece of denim in this whole episode, you know, so that was refreshing. Right. Um
1: there's no denim and they weren't both wearing like drab olive and beige.
0: Yeah, she actually had some color throughout, which was yeah. nice. She had a red shirt for a while and a green suit jacket. Super nineties, but yeah, you know, it works. So so yeah, I definitely, um, as far as character aesthetics go, um, I definitely liked that that improvement of being like, no, these are they're professionals, they're on they're they're, they're conducting business like just because they're working out of the basement doesn't mean they can wear jeans all the time like they still gotta wear suits they're still agents (laughs) like really bothered me in the first two episodes they're like in street clothes all the time but not in this episode so so i really liked that um yeah that's probably the main thing i have to say within the the character aesthetics portion at least
1: yeah, I I totally agree. I thought the same thing. Like I said, there's a lot less drab olive green and beige. Um, yeah. They're wearing suits. Uh there was that uh the one woman who was giving the lie detector who was dressed <laughs> like a n like a sofa. Sofa. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's I mean that's the nineties though.
1: There must have been like a, a floral pattern surplus in the late eighties or something. It's like we have thousands and thousands of yards of this horrible floral sofa pattern. Yeah. Let's make dresses.
0: To use more fabric, we'll put in giant shoulder pads. That's right, yeah. Yeah. That's <sighs> early 90s fashion in a that nutshell.
1: That's the best explanation I can come up with.
0: It's, it's uh, better than any I could come up
1: with. <laughs> so, yeah, they look a lot better. That's great. And, uh, that's great. I don't know. Uh... uh <laughs> Um the locations were also really cool. Every location yeah. looked like it should, like mm-hmm. the dingy basement, um uh the abandoned building, uh the the office in the very beginning where there's like no windows, no natural light and like artificial plants on every cubicle. Yeah. Um whenever they show like the interior of someone's house, it was decorated differently than other houses and Yeah. Um I think X-Files is always been pretty good at having each location look distinct.
0: Yeah. Which especially I mean, they're traveling all over the, the world. we all over the country, at least. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I thought that I had more to say about that. <laughs> then I lost my train of thought again. No, I, I
1: know what you mean. Each location in the U.S. looks different. Exactly. It, it would be really weird if they went to California and then New York and then Alaska, but it all looked
0: like... L.A. L.A., yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Toronto, I guess, be yeah, the case in these early seasons. That's but, where they're filming. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I definitely loved um, Toombs' lair, I guess. Like, his yeah. bare apartment and the gross mattress and the hole in the wall, the newspaper nest. Like, every single aspect of that was just yeah. perfectly creepy. And just like the casting of Tombs. Like, just, yeah, just everything was perfectly creepy in exactly the right type of way. Like, it was the right type of creepy um, so I, I really liked the the sets as well. Yeah. Didn't really get any forests, but the plot didn't call for it. But we got definitely within the buildings, um. right? And I do like the contrast, like we see Mulder and Scully in their office a little, but not much in this episode. But we see them there every once in a while, and then we see like Scully in the meeting with all the violent crime division people, and it's yeah. you know bright and and well lit and big table lots of people no one's crowded then you see them and they're I mean Scully never gets her own desk and they're always crowded over the (laughs) desk and cluttered and no windows at the basement yeah Um, so I like just that visual you know obviously we get like you were saying within the writing section we definitely get like oh this is how they are perceived like it's get comments and you know that's very well put forth in the script but then you get it within that those settings as well just that comparison and contrast of basement setting. Here's here's where she could be, but she yeah. chooses the basement. Um yeah. so I, I like that too.
1: Yeah, uh that really stood out to me. I forgot to mention that, but that stood out to me when she was talking to Tom. That's his name. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Like at the the restaurant in the beginning. At the
1: beginning, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like really brightly lit and very open and spacious. Like they were in a Food court or something like a fancy food court at a mall, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did notice that as well.
0: So, my total for aesthetics, um, I give it a nine out of ten.
1: I gave it a perfect ten,
0: all right. Kind of thing, I was like, should I have given a 9.5 instead of a nine? But my gut was to give it a nine. I'll keep it. I feel like that's still fair. Um, <laughs> but I, I perfectly understand a perfect ten as well. All right, so then that brings us to the third category, uh, which is just memorability. Um, so this is definitely, uh, I mean, it's hard to say. <laughs> For me, how much like how much of it is inherent to the episode, and how much is it that I've seen it so many times? Um, but I thought this is definitely one of the more memorable episodes. There were a few scenes here and there where it's like, wow! For as many times as I've seen this episode, I don't remember this scene very well. Um, even the scenes like with the um, retired police officer, like I loved those scenes and I thought they worked really well and they really served a, a really good purpose within the the script. And I'm like, I barely remember this character, like this doesn't feel like something I've seen a million times um so, so there were a few things here and there um that weren't as fresh but I mean there were definitely I, I remembered full lines of dialogue and I remembered yeah um just specific scenes you know that turning of the screw and the vent and things like that going down the chimney there's just a lot that sticks with you so so I definitely think even though I have seen it dozens of times probably not I maybe mean, not dozens I've seen it a lot um but yeah, but I do still think it's it's one of the more memorable within the series, especially for within the monster of the week category.
1: Yeah. Um, yep. Everything he said uh, has a lot of memorable dialogue and a lot of memorable visuals, like the turning of the screw and that, that it's like so quiet and still, but you just see the screw turn a little bit and hear the squeak a little bit. And, wow. Um, memorable stuff.
0: All right. What so was your score for memorability?
1: I gave it a 9 out of 10.
0: I believe that's what I gave it too. Oh, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10.
1: Always with the 0.
0: 0.5. I do like the 0. 0.5. Sometimes I just can't quite justify a perfect 10, so i got to knock it down. All right, so then that brings us to our last category, and that's going to be overall enjoyment. Uh, I think my score is probably going to not be too much of a surprise, so I'll let you <laughs> go first on this one.
1: Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Um it's great to see, like, how how their first monster of the week was such a solid episode and a solid Absolutely. monster of the week, yeah. And it really had like a creepy vibe. Like I said, it, like as a kid, after watching this, you know, every time I walk in the room, turn on the light as soon as possible, <laughs> yeah, and look around um, has has that kind of effect. So I really enjoyed it.
0: All right. What
1: was your score? I thought it was outstanding, so I gave it a nine.
0: Alright. I gave it a, a perfect 10 out of 10. Um, a lot of it, I mean, it's easy to to be like, well, like, a lot of it's just nostalgia. I watched it a lot as a kid. Um, but I really think with this one, like, I, it, it had a very clear impact on me as a kid. Like, hey, like, not just enjoyment-wise, like, I just remember being so inspired by, by Scully and how she just takes charge and is like, I can make my own decisions. Here's what I'm going to do. You can't talk to me that way. Like, and she doesn't quite say that, but it's very, she's like... Here's what here's here's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Like <laughs> she just she lays it out. Um. So so in that regard, it's definitely um it's definitely very, um just fun to watch and very um powerful and for a kid at least. I was had that power over me. And then um, you know, there's definitely humor that that makes it enjoyable. There's a lot of Molderisms thrown in there, yeah. and, and just the, you know, the those early stages of the just dynamic between Molder and Steli. You see that starts to develop, which is just fun. Um, Like you said, with all the creepy stuff, it's a a genuinely creepy episode and a a genuinely well-structured and well-developed Monster of the Week episode. Like, it just has everything going for it, Um, at least as far as I'm concerned with my particular tastes. Um, And sure, I mean, the nostalgia definitely plays a part in that. Maybe I would give it a little bit lower if I didn't watch it so many times as a kid, but... Um, regardless for me, um, easily perfect 10 out of 10 for, for enjoyment. I really, I was really excited to watch this one, um, and, and review it and talk about it. Cause it's, it's probably one of my favorites. And, um, I think, I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, we're going to obviously be rewatching all the episodes and I think this one's going to for sure be top five for season one and, and maybe even stay up in the top five for the whole series. I, I really wow. like this episode. Okay. So 10 out of 10 for me. Maybe not top five overall, that's pretty high. Top ten maybe
1: overall. Yeah, I can see that.
0: All right, and then before we uh, wrap up with our overall scores, did you give this episode any extra credit?
1: I couldn't think of any, so I did not.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I only oh, go ahead.
1: Well, at least I couldn't think of anything that I hadn't already said. Yeah. So I did not give it any extra credit.
0: I gave it I gave it one point, uh just for the nostalgia factor. Yeah. Um I don't know. That's probably I, my extra credit tends to double dip a little yeah. bit in other categories. So this is probably double dipping with the overall enjoyment. Um, but fair enough. Oh well. I, yeah. I I gave it an extra little point for um, for nostalgia. All right. So then, uh, so now that brings us to our total scores. What did your total score came out to?
1: My total score came out to eighty five. All right. Which uh, is solid. outstanding. Absolutely. Uh, I was I was kind of surprised. I know I really like this episode. Yeah. Um, but that, when I think about it, that seems right. This is an outstanding monster of the week.
0: Absolutely. I can't argue with that, um, especially because I gave it a little bit of a higher score. <laughs> My total uh, came out to a 93.75, um, which wow. is very close to what I gave the pilot. Um, still, the pilot still tops it, um, but like I said I'm definitely this is going to be within the top 5 of season 1. I'm I'm nearly positive and and I think it's going to stay up in a high position throughout.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. I guess that's it for this episode. Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off?
1: Mm, nope. I'm pretty happy with this.
0: All right. Me too. So that's, uh, I think, all we have to say about Squeeze. Uh, Please be sure to tune in next week where we will be reviewing a season one, episode four, Conduits. And uh, be sure to subscribe and all that good stuff so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back every Sunday for for more X-Files on the Grid. See you next time.